Chapter Twenty One of the Frozen Pirate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barbara Dirksen. The Frozen Pirate by W. Clark Russell. Chapter Twenty One We Explode the Mines i don't design to weary you with a close account of our proceedings how we opened the main-deck hatch rigged up tackles clapping purchases on to the falls as the capstan was hard frozen and immovable how we hoisted the powder barrels on deck and then by tackles on the foreyard lowered them over the side how we filled a number of bags which we found in the forecastle with powder how we measured the cracks in the ice and sawed a couple of spare studding sail booms into lengths to serve as beams whereby to poise the barrels and bags would make but sailors talk half of which would be unintelligible and the rest wearisome the frenchmen worked hard and we snatched only half an hour for our dinner the split that had happened in the ice during the night showed by daylight as a gulf betwixt eight and ten feet wide at the seaward's end thinning to a width of three feet never less to where it ended ahead of the ship in a hundred cracks in the ice that showed as if a thunderbolt had fallen just there i looked into this rent but it was as black as a well past a certain depth and there was no gleam of water when we went over the side to roll our first barrel of powder to the spot where we meant to lower it the frenchman marched up to the figure of trentanove and with no more reverence than a boy would show in throwing a stone at a jackass tumbled him into the chasm he then stepped up to the body of the portuguese boatswain dragged him to the same fissure and rolled him into it there cried he now they are properly buried and with this he went coolly on with his work i said nothing but was secretly heartily disgusted with this brutal disposal of his miserable shipmate's remains however it was his doing not mine and i confess the removal of those silent witnesses was a very great relief to me albeit when i considered how tassard had been awakened and how both the mate and the boatswain might have been brought to by treatment i felt as though after a manner the frenchman had committed a murder by burying them so it blew a small breeze all day from the southwest the weather keeping fine it was ten o'clock in the morning when we started on our labor and the sun had been sunk a few minutes by the time we rigged the last whip for the lowering and poising of the powder this left us nothing to do in the morning but light the matches lower the powder into position and then withdraw to the schooner and await the issue our arrangements comprised first four barrels of powder in the deep yawns ahead of the vessel directly athwart the line of her head second two barrels a wide space between them in the great chasm on the starboard side third about fifty very heavy charges in bags and the like for the further rupturing of many splits and crevices on the larboard bow of the ship where the ice was most compact 
what should follow the mighty blast no mortal being could have foretold i had no fear of the charges injuring the vessel that is to say i did not fear that the actual explosion would damage her but as the effect of the bursting of such a mass of powder as we designed to explode upon so brittle a substance as ice was not calculable it was quite likely that the vast discharge instead of loosening and freeing the bed of ice might rend it into blocks and leave the schooner still stranded and lying in some wild posture amid the ruins but the powder was our only trumps we had but to play it and leave the rest to fortune we got our supper and sat smoking and discussing our situation and chances tassard was tired and this and our contemplation of the probabilities of the morrow sobered his mind and he talked with a certain gravity he drank sparely and forbore the hideous recollections or interventions he was used to bestow on me and indeed could find nothing to talk about but the explosion and what it was to do for us i was very glad he did not again refer to his project to bury the treasure and carry the schooner to the tortugas the subject fired his blood and it was such nonsense that the mere naming of it was nauseous to me eight and forty years had passed since his ship fell in with this ice and not tenfold the treasure in the hold might have purchased for him the sight of so much as a single bone of the youngest of those associates whom he idly dreamt of seeking and shipping and sailing in command of yet imbecile as was his scheme having regard to the half-century that had elapsed i clearly witnessed the menace to me that it implied his views were to be read as plainly as if he had delivered them first and foremost he meant that i should help him to sail the schooner to an island and bury the plate and money which done he would take the first opportunity to murder me his chance of meeting with a ship that would lend him assistance to navigate the schooner would be as good as if he were alone in her as if i were on board too there would be nothing then in this consideration to hinder him from cutting my throat after we had buried the treasure and were got north two motives would imperatively urge him to make away with me first that i should not be able to serve as a witness to his being a pirate and next that he alone should possess the secret of the treasure he little knew what was passing in my mind as he surveyed me through the curls of smoke spouting up from his death's head pipe i talked easily and confidentially but i saw in his gaze the eyes of my murderer and was so sure of his intentions that had i shot him in self-defence as he sat there i am certain my conscience would have acquitted me of his blood i passed two most uneasy hours in my cot before closing my eyes i could think of nothing but how to secure myself against the frenchman's treachery you would suppose that my mind must have been engrossed with considerations of the several possibilities of the morrow but that was not so my reflections ran wholly to the bald-headed evil-eyed pirate whom in an evil hour i had thought into being and who was like to discharge the debt of his own life by taking mine 
the truth is i had been too hard at work all day too full of the business of planning cutting testing and contriving to find leisure to dwell upon what he had said at breakfast and now that i lay alone in the darkness it was the only subject i could settle my thoughts to however next morning i found myself less gloomy thanks to several hours of solid sleep i thought what is the good of anticipating suppose the schooner is crushed by the ice or jammed by the explosion until we are under way nay until the treasure is buried i have nothing to fear for the rogue cannot do without me and reassuring myself in this fashion i went to the cook-room and lighted the fire my companion presently arrived and we sat down to our morning meal i dreamt last night said he that the devil sat on my breast and told me that we should break clear of the ice and come off safe with the treasure there is loyalty in the fiend he seldom betrays his friends you have a better opinion of him than i said i and i do not know that you have much claim upon his loyalty either seeing that you will cross yourself and call upon the madonna and saints when the occasion arises Puh, mere habit cried he sarcastically i have seen barrows praying to a little wooden saint in a gale of wind and then knock its head off and throw it overboard because the storm increased and here he fell to talking very impiously professing such an outrageous contempt for every form of religion and affirming so ardent a belief in the good will of satan and the like that i quitted my bench at last in a passion and told him that he must be the devil himself to talk so and that for my part his sentiments awoke in me nothing but the utmost scorn loathing and horror of him his face fell and he looked at me with the eye of one who takes measure of another and does not feel sure tut cried he with a feigned peevishness what are my sentiments to you or yours to me you may be a quaker for all i care come fill your pannikin and let us drink a health to our own souls but though he said this grinning he shot a savage look of malice at me and when he put his pannikin down his face was very clouded and sulky we finished our meal in silence and then i rose saying let us now see what the gunpowder is going to do for us my rising and saying this worked a change in him he exclaimed briskly ay now for the great experiment and made for the companion steps with an air of bustle the wind as before was in the southwest blowing without much weight but the sky was overcast with great masses of white clouds with a tint of rainbows in their shoulders and skirts amid which the sky showed in a clear liquid blue those clouds seemed to promise wind and perhaps snow anon but there was nothing to hinder our operations we got upon the ice and went to work to fix the matches to the barrels and bags and to sling them by the beams we had contrived ready for lowering when the matches were fired and this occupied us the best part of two hours when all was ready i fired the first match and we lowered the barrel smartly to the scope of line we had settled upon so with the others 
you may reckon we worked with all imaginable weariness for the stuff we handled was mighty deadly and if a barrel should fall and burst with the match alight we might be blown in an instant into rags it being impossible to tell how deep the rents went the bags being lighter there was less to fear and presently all the barrels and bags with the matches burning were poised in the places and hanging at the depth we had fixed upon and we returned to the schooner the frenchman breaking into a run and tumbling over the rail in his alarm with the dexterity of a monkey each match was supposed to burn an hour so that when the several explosions happened they might all occur as nearly as possible at once and we had therefore a long time to wait the margin may look unreasonable in the face of our dispatch but you will not think it unnecessary if you consider that our machinery might not have worked very smooth and that meanwhile all that was lowered was in the way of exploding so interminable a period as now followed i do believe never before entered into the experiences of a man the cold was intense and we had to move about but also were we repeatedly coming to a halt to look at our watches and cast our eyes over the ice it was like standing under a gallows with the noose around the neck waiting for the cart to move off my own suspense became torture but i commanded my face the frenchman on the other hand could not control the torments of his expectation and fear holy virgin he would cry suppose we are blown up too suppose we are engulfed in the ice suppose it should be vomited in vast blocks which in falling upon us must crush us to a pulp and smash the decks in at one moment he would call himself an idiot for not remaining on the rocks at a distance and watching the explosion and even make as if to jump off of the vessel then immediately recoil from the idea of setting his foot upon a floor that before he could take ten strides might split into chasms with hideous uproar under him at another moment he would run to the companion and descend out of my sight but reappear after a minute or two wildly shaking his head and swearing that if waiting was insupportable in the daylight it was ten thousand times worse in the gloom and solitude of the interior i was too nervous and expectant myself to be affected by his behaviour but his dread of the explosion upheaving lumps of ice was sensible enough to determine me to post myself under the cover of the hatch and there await the blast for it was a stout cover and would certainly screen me from the lighter flying pieces it was three or four minutes past the hour and i was looking breathlessly at my watch when the first of the explosions took place before the ear could well receive the shock of the blast the whole of the barrels exploded along with some twelve or fourteen parcels tassard who stood beside me fell on his face and i believed he had been killed it was so hellish a thunder that i suppose the blowing up of a first-rate could not make a more frightful roar of noise a kind of twilight was caused by the rise of the volumes of white smoke out of the ice the schooner shook with such a convulsion that i was persuaded she had been split vast showers of splinters of ice fell as if from the sky and rained like arrows through the smoke but if there were any great blocks uphove they did not touch the ship 
meanwhile the other parcels were exploding in their places sometimes two and three at a time sending a sort of sickening spasms and throes through the fabric of the vessel and you heard the most extraordinary grinding noises rising out of the ice all about as though the mighty rupture of the powder crackled through leagues of the island i durst not look forth till all the powder had burst lest i should be struck by some flying piece of ice but unless the schooner was injured below she was as sound as before and in the exact same posture as if afloat in harbour only that of course her stern lay low with the slope of her bed i called to tassard and he lifted his head are you hurt said i no no he answered tis a spaniard's trick to fling down to a broadside body of st joseph what a furious explosion and so saying he crawled into the companion and squatted beside me what has it done for us i don't know yet said i but i believe the schooner is uninjured that was a powerful shock i cried as a half dozen of bags blew up together in the crevices deep down the thunder and tumult of the rending ice accompanied by the heavy explosions of the gunpowder so dulled the hearing that it was difficult to speak that the mines had accomplished our end was not yet to be known but there could not be the least doubt that they had not only occasioned tremendous ruptures low down in the ice but that the volcanic influence was extending far beyond its first effects by making one split produce another one weak part give way and create other weaknesses and so on all round about us and under our keel as was clearly to be gathered by the shivering and spasms of the schooner and by the growls roars blasts and huddle of terrifying sounds which arose from the frozen floor it was twenty minutes after the hour at which the mines had been framed to explode when the last parcel burst but we waited another quarter of an hour to make sure that it was the last during all which time the growling and roaring noises deep down continued as if there was a battle of a thousand lions raging in the vaults and hollows underneath the smoke had been settled away by the wind and the prospect was clear we ran below to see the fire and receive five minutes of heat into our chilled bodies and then returned to view the scene i looked first over the starboard side and saw the great split that had happened in the night torn in places into immense yawns and gulfs by the fall of vast masses of rock out of its sides but what most delighted me was the hollow sound of washing water i lifted my hand and listened tis the swell of the sea flowing into the opening i exclaimed that means said tassard that this side of the block is dislocated from the main yes cried i and if the powder ahead of the bows has done its work the heave of the ocean will do the rest we made our way on to the forecastle over a deep bed of splinters of ice lying like wood shavings upon the deck and i took notice as i walked that every glorious crystal pendant that had before adorned the yards rigging and spars had been shaken off i had expected to see a wonderful spectacle of havoc in the ice where the barrels of gunpowder had been poised 
but saving many scores of cracks where none was before and vast ragged gashes in the mouths of the crevices down which the barrels had been lowered the scene was as much as heretofore the frenchman stared and exclaimed what has the powder done i see only a few cracks what it may have done i don't know i answered but depend on such heavy charges of powder must have burst to some purpose the dislocation will be below and so much the better for tis there the ice must come asunder if this block is to go free he gazed about him and then rapping out a string of oaths english italian and french for he swore in all the languages he spoke which he once told me were five he declared that for his part he considered the powder wasted that we'd have done as well to fling a hand-grenade into a fissure that a thousand barrels of powder would be but as a pop-gun for rending the schooner's bed from the main and in short with several insulting looks and a face black with rage and disappointment gave me very plainly to know that i had not only played the fool myself but had made a fool of him and that he was heartily sorry he had ever given himself any trouble to contrive the cursed mines or assist me in a ridiculous project that might have resulted in blowing the schooner to pieces and ourselves with it i glanced at him with a sneer but took no further notice of his insolence it was not only that he was so contemptible in all respects a liar a rogue a thief a poltroon hoary in twenty walks of vice there was something so unearthly about a creature that had been as good as dead for eight-and-forty years that it was impossible anything he said could affect me as the rancorous tongue of another man would i feared and hated him because i knew that in intent he was already my assassin but the mere insolences of so incredible a creature could not but find me imperturbable and perhaps in the present instance my own disappointment put me into some small posture of sympathy with his passion had i been asked before the explosions happened what i expected i don't know that i should have found any answer to make and yet though i could not have expressed my expectations which after all were but hopes i was bitterly vexed when i looked over the bows and found in the scene nothing that appeared answerable to the uncommon forces we had employed nevertheless i felt sure that my remark to the frenchman was sound a great show of uphove rocks and fragments of ice might have satisfied the eye but the real work of the mines was wanted below and since the force of the mighty explosion must needs expend itself somewhere it was absurd to wish to see its effects in a part where its volcanic agency would be of little or no use there is nothing to be seen by staring exclaimed the frenchman presently speaking very sullenly i am hungry and freezing and shall go below and with that he turned his back and made off growling in his throat as he went i got upon the ice and stepped very carefully to the starboard side and looked down the vast split there the sea in consequence of the slope did not come far but i could hear the wash of the water very plain it was certain that the valley in which we lay was wholly disconnected from the main ice on this side i passed to the larboard quarter 
and here too were cracks wide and deep enough to satisfy me that its hold was weak it was forward of the bows where the barrels had been exploded that the ice was thickest and had the firmest grasp but its surface was so violently and heavily cracked by the explosions and i thought to myself if the fissures below are as numerous then certainly the swell of the sea ought to fetch the whole mass away but i was now half frozen myself and pining for warmth it was after one o'clock the wind was piping freshly and the great heavy clouds in swarms drove stately across the sky it may blow to-night thought i and if the wind hangs as it is just such a sea as may do our business will be set running and thus musing i entered the ship and went below End of chapter twenty one recording by Barbara Dirksen